Blog Talk Radio. number one source for knowledge in the information age high frequency radio network
feeling like committing a crime Get a lot for that, I won't snitch, I ain't dropping a dime I'm a self-made hustler, top of the line I'm
What's going on, y'all? How y'all doing? My name is So L, and this is the foundation, and we are high frequency. It's the foundation. I would like to welcome you to another episode of the foundation here on High Frequency Radio Network. I am your host, Soat L, that's Seeker of Truth L, Speaker of Truth L, and it is my absolute pleasure to be here because there's no one else that I would rather be with and there's nowhere else I would rather be. So you know we're going to do this dance. We're going to do the dance. We're going to do the dance. The foundation where we understand incorrect information, incorrectly applied can get you hurt. Correct information, incorrectly applied can get you hurt. So you know we are looking to correctly apply that correct information as always because, I mean, absolutely, why not? Let's do this. All praises, honors, and thanks due to the Creator and the ancestors. For without them, we would not be here. Also, as always, I would like to say peace. Shout out, big up, salute to my big brother, Yusuf L, High Frequency Radio Network creator, the founder, the organizer. The administrator. Shout out to Yusuf L. That's my chin. Welcome to the foundation.com. I invite you to check it out. At the very least, check out the email list. Sign up. Jump in the PDF section. Splash. Jump out and do your dance. Free information over there, y'all. You can book a consultation. You can find the, the Twitter and the Instagram and the Facebook if you're that. You can also check out the educational tab. I like it. I like it. Get your dance on with the uh, Passport No Social. Foundation Trust Series and the Foundation Trust Primer. Welcome to the foundation.com. Check out that education tab. Like I said, you can make a donation. You can book a consultation. All at the same spot, and that's welcome to the foundation.com, baby. I want to say peace to all the listeners. I want to say peace to all the live listeners, live callers, internet listeners, archive listeners, podcast listeners, MP3 listeners. I want to say peace to all y'all. I also want to say peace to all the trustees and private foundation trustee training. Salute. Salute to y'all investing in your private education. Straight up. And we applaud the beginner as always. I also want to say, you know, peace to anyone else that's investing in their private education otherwise. Because that's that dance. As well as want to say peace to anyone that we have done business with in the private. As well as anyone who has sent an email, well wishes, or a current event, I want to say peace to you. 
as well as anyone who is otherwise added to the foundation. And when I say that, I mean, if you put someone on to the foundation, you know, check out this, you know, this podcast, check out this show, you know, I'm, I'm talking to you. If you, you know, if you, if you shared anything, if you've even spoken about any of the topics that happened to grace the platform of high frequency on the foundation and you just mentioned it and you didn't even you know say hey you know high frequency don't matter I want to say peace I want to say peace to everyone I'm in a pretty good mood I'm in a really good mood I think we all should be you know what I'm saying I hope you are as well I hope you had a great week and I trust that you I'm looking forward to doing your dance. Let's jump into these current events real quick, and let's jump into this show. The show is The Dark Side of Trust. Some of y'all might even know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all may not. Either way, when we're done, we're all going to be on the same page. You feel what I'm saying? Let's jump into these current events, though. Where we at? Where we at? It's a lot. It's a lot. So much going, man. We we gonna run through them. Okay. Um. Reuters. Reuters dot com. Coronavirus. U.S. job losses hitting minorities the hardest. This is what the Fed says. Jerome Powell. The coronavirus pandemic ravaged the U.S. labor market just as it was starting to benefit disadvantaged communities. And if the job losses last, some workers could face a long climb back to where they were financially. This is the Federal Reserve Chair, Jerome Powell. This is today. Two months ago, the U.S. economy was in its 11th year of an expansion that seemed poised to continue. Powell said during a news conference after the Fed said it would keep interest rates near zero until the economy recovers. Quote, We were hearing from minority and low to moderate income communities that this was the best labor market they had seen in their lifetime, end quote. Powell said, who went on to say, it is heartbreaking to see that all threatened. Now, more than 26 million Americans have filed for unemployment benefits in the last five weeks after losing jobs as a result of the devastating economic fallout from the outbreak so-called black and so-called Hispanic workers were and are being hit particularly hard because the unemployment rate tends to rise faster for so-called minorities and low-income workers than it does for other groups. His comments were in line with recent research showing that low-income workers, including so-called black and so-called Hispanic workers and those without a college degree, are losing jobs at a faster clip than so-called white workers. So-called Hispanic workers are taking the biggest hits, with 61% saying they are or someone in their household has lost a job or experienced a pay cut because of the pandemic. This is according to an April survey by the Pew Research Center. That's compared to 44% of so-called black workers and 38% of so-called white workers. And I'm going to so-called move on. Reuters, U.S., Economy faces hard slog back from pandemic. Jerome Powell also said this to head for the Federal Reserve. Also dashed lingering hopes for a fast rebound from the 
pandemic, saying the U.S. economy could feel the weight of consumer fear and social distancing climb from a deepening hole. After a two-day policy meeting in which the U.S. Central Bank kept interest rates near zero and promised to expand emergency programs as needed to help the battered economy, the Fed Chair Jerome Powell offered uh, no positive words about how fast the country might return, if ever, to the near-record low employment, I'm sorry, low unemployment and solid growth of just a few weeks ago. A first phase recovery may actually happen soon, Powell told journalists in a video conference after the end of the policy meeting, excuse me, as some U.S. states allow stores and even restaurants to reopen under tightened rules meant to sustain progress in curbing a pandemic that has killed more than 60,000 people in the country. But even if it takes hold by late summer, quote, that's the period as well that creates the risk for new outbreaks of the virus, end quote. And it's an outbreak from here. The Atlantic.com, the pandemic will change American retail forever. Because the pandemic pauses, the president forces us to live in the future. The question um, who will emerge intact from the pandemic and who will not? To see how the pandemic is already reshaping American retail, you don't have to go outside and count storefronts. Your receipts and credit card statements tell the whole story. On Thursday, last Thursday, the United States Commerce Department reported that retail spending in March collapsed by the largest number, number on record in history, period. Travel spending, including on airlines, hotels, and cruises, is down more than 100%. How is it down more than 100%? If you include refunds, that's how. Department stores and clothing stores are facing an, an extinction-level event after having experienced years of decline. Pockets of resiliency and even strength include grocery stores and liquor stores, which in March had their best month of growth on record. Home improvement spending is up as well. This is because people are at home, and they, you know, they, they get into this, to the the projects that they meant to get to before. CNBC Ford projects adjusted pre-tax loss of five billion dollars in just the second quarter. Ford Motor Company lost two billion dollars during the first quarter and warned investors that losses during the second quarter will widen, which means there would be more. As the company grapples with the fallout from the coronavirus pandemic that shuttered factories and devastated sales before taxes and after adjusting for one time, I'm sorry, one time items Ford lost six hundred thirty two million dollars. And that number is expected to top five billion during the second quarter. Ford shares were down six percent. Um, I skipped that one. CNN politics. Trump orders meat processing plants to stay open. Trump had highlighted the order during an Oval Office meeting with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis that was opened to reporters, quote, we're going to sign an executive order today, I believe, and that'll solve the liability problems, end quote. The president signed the order after some companies, such as Tyson's Foods, were considering only keeping 20% of the facilities open, vast majority of processing plants could have shut down, which would have reduced processing capacity in the country by as much as 80%. Exactly. There's no way, I, I feel like there's no way, A, um, we're, he's in an election, he's got a, uh, an election coming up. 
He's looking for re-election. We're talking about the president of the United States. As well as if people run out of food, we're going to see riots. It's going to be all bad. So I definitely see him uh, signing that order, of course. And then, you know, obviously, if he has to, he will sign more. He will definitely sign more. Forward, where we at? The Great Repression is here, and it will make past downturns look tame. This is on Market Watch. The economic aftermath of the 2008 financial crisis was so tepid it was referred to as the Great Recession. In the wake of the coronavirus catastrophe, investors need to brace for the Great Repression, which may be even uglier than the downturn of a decade ago. That's the takeaway from an analysis on Monday from an economist, David Rosenberg. Rosenberg is often often considered a perma bear, but that's not entirely fair. He's had his optimistic spurts. In the best case for the U.S. economy, published by his firm Rosenberg Research, the economy reopens in May in a staggered approach across industries and regions. There are periodic setbacks in terms of COVID-19 case counts sufficient to make people less comfortable and confident about spending than they did prior to the crisis. A vaccine is not developed in this forecast, but treatment that will alleviate the worst respiratory symptoms is developed within the next six months, he writes. What does that mean for the economy and financial markets? A 30% contraction in real gross domestic product in the second quarter, negative year-over-year consumer price growth, for five quarters and an unemployment rate of 14.2% by the end of 2020, averaging 13% throughout 2021. Mm. Y'all can check that out. That's on Market Watch. Moving forward, CNN.com automakers are offering extreme deals, but buyers should extreme uh, should proceed with caution. Uh, Face with plunging demand and a country in lockdown. Automakers are offering never-before-seen deals to try to sell their cars, trucks, and SUVs already sitting on dealer lots. A number of car companies, including Fiat Chrysler, General Motors, and Hyundai, are offering, get this, 84-month car loans at 0% interest. Man, who wants to pay on a car for 84 months, man? According, look, man, wow, that's seven years without any interest, which isn't bad. Others are offering 72-month loans at zero interest. Not only that, but buyers can put off making their first payment for up to 120 days or about four months. That should help. That should be helpful for workers on furlough. With loans that long and no interest at all, monthly car payments can be very low. That's assuming, of course, your credit score is good enough to qualify. But experts warn don't get so fixated on that very enticing interest rate that you forget to consider all your options. There are some risks. The main one that you'll be still making payments long after the new car smell has gotten lost behind a forest of cardboard, pine, blah, blah, blah. You might not like the car much by then. Even if you loved it and your needs might change, the car might break down and no longer work. If you're going to buy a small car, how would you know that your life wouldn't change? Years, you might need a bigger car maybe even an SUV or a minivan. Before then, also new cars with fancy new technologies could start to look appealing. A few years down the line, maybe you want to go electric sometime in 2027. Then there's the fundamental math problem. The longer you stretch out the loan, the longer you'll be underwater on your new car. That means you will owe more money on the car than the car is worth. 
All new vehicles lose value the minute you purchase them. The drop in value is steepest at the beginning right after it changes from a new vehicle into a used vehicle. Then tapers off in a gradual decline over years. The amount you owe on a vehicle, on the other hand, declines at the same rate each month as you make each payment. With a longer loan and smaller payments, that slope will be shallower. That increases the amount of time during which you owe money more than your car is worth. Good to think about. Y'all can check that out. That's on CNN.com. Where we at? Where we at? Where we at? What's next? Mm, 21% in March. But realtors claim prices will hold up. Signed contracts to purchase existing homes referred to as pending home sales fell 20.8% compared with February and were 16.3% lower annually, according to the National Association of Realtors. Regionally, pending sales fell 14% in the Northeast, 11% lower than a year ago in the Midwest. It was 22% which is 12.4% lower. In the south, sales dropped by 19.5%. In the west, they fell 26.8%. That's the largest. West Coast is getting hammered. The existing home market had already begun uh, suffering from a severe shortage of properties for sale, and that supply hit a record low in March. Not only did potential sellers decide against listing their homes in the current economic environment, but some sellers already on the market delisted their properties. Yipes. Not looking good. Check this out. Where was it? Mitch McConnell. This dude Mitch McConnell is telling, is pushing for states to uh, file bankruptcy. Hold on. Then how about this one? Thehill.com. State bankruptcy furor shakes up McConnell re-election bid. <laughs> Uh, the GOP leader has made an outsized influence in Washington, a key pillar of his campaign, positioning himself as a driving force behind Congress's coronavirus relief bills and touting his efforts to score critical federal aid for the state. But Democrats believe McConnell's remarks that states facing budget shortfalls amid the pandemic should be able to use the bankruptcy route, blow a hole in his reelection argument. Quote, I would anticipate seeing them in a lot of campaign ads, end quote, said Ryan Aquilina, 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 the executive director of Ditch Mitch Fund. Man, come on, man. It's a Democratic-aligned outside group. It was, quote, the single stupidest thing I've seen him say in quite some time. I think in a state like Kentucky, it really is an attack on pensions. It's an attack on the Medicaid programs, on cops, end quote. A national Democratic strategist argued that McConnell's stance was problematic and that the disparity in GLP priorities gave the issue legs. DeDue said he thinks the struggling states, instead of getting, you know, uh, Fed stimulus, they should they should file bankruptcy. I think, I don't know, man. I'm not going to say what I think. I just think it's the news. Well, we got Amazon, Walmart, FedEx workers plan to walk out on Friday. Workers from corporations are planning to walk off Friday, including employees from Amazon, Walmart, and FedEx. I mean, and this, like the reporting, they, even if they were or are, they just blew the whistle on these fools. Snitches. 
The news be snitching sometimes. The workers are seeking better health and safety standards as well as hazard pay while working during the coronavirus pandemic. I, hey, I'm down. I, I feel like that's that's reasonable. Former Amazon employee Christian Smalls shared a flyer on Twitter last week that included other prominent company names participating in the demonstration on May 1st, such as Instacart, Target, and Whole Foods. Quote, protect all workers at all costs, end quote. We are not expendable or replaceable enough, is enough, take the power back. The Friday demonstrations will also request protective and cleaning equipment and full disclosure on a number of infected cases in company facilities. The protest would result in employees of the listed businesses calling in sick from work or stepping out during their lunch break. At the same time, some union members will reportedly join workers outside warehouses and storefronts in support of the strikes. Let's see how that goes. I'm, I'm interested to see how that that that, that shakes out. Got a couple more, several more, and we're out. We're gonna jump into the show. The dark side of trust. I'm really interested. Where we at? Where we at? Let's jump into a little tech. Netflix adds 15 million new subscribers as people stream more than ever, but warns about tough road ahead. Netflix is one of the rare companies benefited from the global pandemic, which has kept billions of people at home with nothing to do but stream. I'm sure there's more to do than just stream, but hey, if you want to be suggestible reading a a news article. But the question is, how long can it last? Although much of Netflix's recent boom didn't start until mid-March, when more people were forced to stay home to help curb the spread of the novel coronavirus, a series of popular original shows and movies helped Netflix boost subscribers in the first quarter. Still, Netflix's opening letter to shareholders isn't all good. The let hopes that some of the lockdown growth will turn out to be pulled forward from the multi-year organic growth trend, resulting in slower growth after the lockdown is lifting country by country. The letter adds that executives expect viewing to decline and membership growth to decelerate as home confinement ends, which we hope is soon. So basically what they're saying is uh, the growth trend was a pull forward. So people who were going to subscribe to Netflix like in the future subscribed currently due to the virus and those people won't be subscribing in the future so they're lowering their numbers for the future projections even though they're taking advantage of current influx of subscribers okay where where am I going to jump I'm going to jump where are we going okay look let's jump into this one look Supreme Court rules Georgia can't put the law behind a paywall. The state of Georgia licensed the official copy of state law to LexisNexis. A narrowly divided U.S. Supreme Court upheld the right to freely share the official law code of Georgia. Y'all checking this out? The state claimed to own the copyright for the official code of Georgia annotated and sued a nonprofit called publicresource.org for publishing it online. So if y'all want the official code of Georgia annotated, go to public.resource.org because they're publishing it online. 
The ruling is not only a victory for open government group, it's an important precedent that will help secure the right to publish other legally significant public documents. Quote, officials empowered to speak with the force of law cannot be authors of and therefore cannot copyright the works they create in the course of their official duties. End quote. It's the Chief Justice John Roberts in an opinion that was joined by four other justices on the nine-member court. Everyone involved in the case agreed that the text of state statutes could not be copyrighted. Georgia was trying to, man, but the state of Georgia argued that it could copyright annotations that are distributed with official code. The annotations provide supplemental information about the law, including summaries of judicial opinions, information about legislative history, and citations to relevant law review articles. The annotations are produced by division of legal publishing giant LexisNexis under a work-for-hire contract with the state. The copyright status of annotated code matters because the state doesn't publish any other official version. You can get an unofficial version of state law for free from Lex, uh, from LexisNexis's website. But LexisNexis's terms of service explicitly warn users that it might be inaccurate. Dang, you can't even get an accurate copy of the state code. The company also prohibits users from scraping the site's content or using it commercially. So scraping is like if I build um, a program uh, that scrapes, scrapes information off, off of different websites. Um, if you need the official up-to-date version of Georgia state law, you have to pay LexisNexis hundreds of dollars for a copy of the official version, which includes annotations. Public.resource.org defied Georgia's rules and published the entire code, including annotations, on its website. The group argued that as an official document of the state legislature, it couldn't be protected by copyright. The state sued and won at trial court level. Okay, so that's what I say. Especially if you're dealing with trust or private trust or contract and you lose at Article 1 or at the trial court level, you need to appeal to get to Article 3. The 11th Circuit Court of appeals reversed that ruling and sided with the nonprofit. See, in an unorthodox move, the people at uh, PRO urged the Supreme Court to review the case, even though doing so could reverse the repellent win because they wanted to set a nationwide precedent. The group's gamble paid off, but just barely. Five justices brought people's, I'm sorry, brought publicresource.org, uh, where was I at? Argument. I'm sorry, brought public resources argument that Georgia's official code was in the public domain. Four justices dissented and would have allowed the Peach State to copyright portions of its official legal code. Goodness. The Supreme Court hasn't ruled on the copyright status of official documents in over a century, but a couple of rulings from, 18, from the 1800s said that judicial documents could not be copyrighted. These cases involved court reporters, writers, who were chosen by courts to keep records of court proceedings and publish them. Official court reporters were more independent in the 19th century than judicial staff today, and they would sometimes publish their own annotated versions of judicial opinions. But the 19th century Supreme Court nixed efforts to claim ownership of content that had originally been writing, I'm sorry, written by judges. This applied not only to majority opinions, 
which are legally binding, but also to dissenting opinions and official summaries of court rulings. At the same time, the Supreme Court held that court reporters could claim copyright over annotations that they produce independently from their official duties. So if it's a, if it's a court reporter, if it's someone who's um, hired by the court to excuse me, to type up or take notation of all these statutes and then they put their own notes in it. They can copyright their own notes, but not the actual all statutes. Mm, the Georgia case is about the legislative branch, not the judicial branch, separation of powers. But the parallels are obvious. Uh, it was pointed out to the Supreme Court prior holdings that official documents couldn't be copyrighted. The state of Georgia countered by pointing to the ruling that annotations could be copyrighted. The High Court's five justice majority sided with the nonprofit group. In an opinion written by Chief Justice John Roberts, the High Court held that the key factor was who had written the materials. And, see, I'm telling you, if the, if the state wrote the materials, they can't copyright it. And while most of the annotations were initially drafted by LexisNexis personnel, the state's legislative council held final authority over the document's contents. Because, why? Because LexisNexis was contracted by the state to do the dance. That LexisNexis wasn't doing it on their own. The council gave LexisNexis detailed instructions about what kinds of material to include and Legislative officials carefully reviewed each new annotation before approving it. See, they had final approval. Moreover, moreover, my bad, the high court held that Georgia's legislative council was effectively an arm of the state legislature. Exactly. The group was funded by the state of Georgia, and a majority of its members had to be Georgia legislators. Hence, the Georgia legislature bore ultimate responsibility for the code's content. As a result, the Supreme Court held that any document produced by the Georgia legislature could not be protected by copyright. Okay, so check this out. Um, if I was y'all, I would get your hands on the code. Because I bet you those annotations, the next time they update the code, they're going to copyright the annotations. They're going to do them separate. And they're going to copyright the annotations. So get your hands on the Georgia code. I, I, I did. I suggest you do it as well. Moving forward. This is on Verge.com. Android phones will get the COVID-19 tracking updates via Google Play. Congratulations, y'all. I'll do Android. Google, I don't, mess with, I don't really mess with Google, man. Google has confirmed that it will use the Google Play services infrastructure to update all Android phones with the upcoming COVID-19 contact tracing system it is building in collaboration with Apple. It should ensure that more Android phones will actually get the update and also ensure that they become available on phones running Android 6.0 or above. Until today, it was an open question, but one that was vital for Google to answer. That's because Google Play is the only reliable system that exists for getting software updates pushed out to all Android phones in a timely manner. The other way, full operating system updates is often fraught with delays from both carriers and manufacturers. Google says that its update system will apply to both phases of the Bluetooth contact tracing framework, the initial API rollout, which is due next month, and the next stage 
which will see the APIs built into the operating system. The companies will say only that the second stage will arrive in coming months. Mm. Okay, so basically they got contact tracing via Bluetooth on your on your Google Android phones, man. So even if you let's say you was in a supermarket and someone else was in a supermarket and y'all had Android phones and that person had COVID nineteen and you was in the same supermarket within a certain amount of time, they can trace you and figure out that you were in the supermarket and maybe impose some sort of responsibility requirement on you know, maybe they'll they'll snatch you up and take you somewhere. I don't know. I don't like this. If you have an Android phone, I suggest here's the thing. If you have an if you have any phone, whether it's Apple or Android, you should not be walking around in public with your Wi-Fi turned on and your Bluetooth turned on. And I know a lot of people have their Bluetooth connected to their cars so they can listen to their music in their car. And I'm telling you, that's how they get us. They have these um, these beacons, Bluetooth beacons. They have beacons in malls, in stores, all over in the public, in government areas, in certain commercial districts of cities. They have these Bluetooth beacons that log your information from your phone. And Android, they be giving out a lot of stuff, man, because it's Google. So I'm telling y'all, you shouldn't be walking around with your your Wi-Fi enabled on your phone and your Bluetooth enabled on your phone. Not private. Absolutely not. And some people be like, man, I ain't never thought about it like that. Well, I'm telling you, you should look into those, these beacons, this uh, wireless beacon technology when it comes to um, retail. And then they'll tell you the truth. But then you can think in your mind what other implications this technology has. Speaking of technology, (laughs) Elon Musk, CNBC, Elon Musk says orders to stay home are fastest in expletive-laced rant during Tesla earnings call. And this dude, he be, this dude is smart, man. Look at all this publicity he be getting. While answering analyst questions about liquidity amid the coronavirus pandemic, Musk called shelter-in-place orders forcibly imprisoning people in their homes against all their constitutional rights. (laughs) Musk said he was concerned about not being able to resume operations at the company's factory in Fremont, California, saying that possibility should be considered a serious risk given Tesla produces most of its cars there in addition to its Shanghai-based plant. Tesla had initially said the factory would remain open despite shelter-in-place orders until the county where it's located said it could not be considered an essential business. Six counties, including um, Alameda, where Tesla's factory is located recently, extended their shelter-in-place orders through the end of May. Musk had spoken out about government restrictions on citizens during the coronavirus pandemic earlier on Twitter, but further expressed his opinion today invest in infrastructure (laughs) quote this is the time to think about in the future and also to ask is it right to infringe upon people's rights as what is happening right now end quote uh he continued oh sorry quote so the expansion of the shelter in place or as we call it forcibly imprisoning people in their homes against their all their constitutional rights is in my opinion and breaking people's freedoms in ways that are horrible and wrong and not why people came to America or built this country. Excuse me. It's outrage. It's an outrage. It will 
cause loss, great, great harm, but not just to Tesla, but any company. And while people will weather the storm, there are many small companies that will not, end quote. He said he continued sounding more and more incensed at one point asking what the fuck, uh, 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 what the F dang, I don't, sorry. Later, he continued in the same vein, quote, I think the people are going to be very angry about this and very angry, very, very angry. <laughs> it's like somebody should be, if somebody wants to stay in the house, that's great. They should be allowed to stay in the house and they should be compelled, should not be compelled to leave, but to stay and they cannot leave their house and they will be arrested if they do. This is fascist. This is not democratic. This is not freedom. Give people back their goddamn freedom. Man, why am I reading this word for word? I apologize for reading swear words on there. But this is what he said. I found that article funny. Hopefully, y'all, you know, maybe y'all found that hilarious with me. Or maybe you did not. But, okay, moving forward. This is it right here. Y'all check this out. I, uh, I'm just going to read it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we all knew it was coming, right? But, um, yeah, I don't know. Pentagon, this is CNN politics, okay? So y'all can go to CNN.com, and you can check this out. I'm not crazy. I'm not losing it. You know, I'm I'm not off my rocker, off the Richter, off the fade, off the scale, off the chain. I'm, um, you know, this is real. This is absolutely real. Okay, let me get to it. Look, I mean, I mean this is something. All right. This is straight up on CNN. Pentagon officially releases UFO videos, man. The Pentagon has officially released three short videos showing unidentified aerial phenomena that had previously been released by a private company. So maybe that's why, because it was already out there. But, I mean, they just, they just, they just put it right. They put it straight. Look, the videos show what appear to be unidentified flying objects rapidly recorded by infrared cameras. Two of the videos contain service members reacting in awe at how quickly the objects are moving. One voice speculates that it could be a drone. The Navy previously acknowledged the veracity of the videos in September of last year. They are officially releasing them now. Quote, in order to clear up any misconceptions by the public on whether or not the footage that has been circulating was real or whether or not there is more to the videos. End quote. According to the Pentagon spokesperson, Sue Go. Quote, after a thorough review... The department has determined that the unauthorized release of these unclassified videos does not reveal any sensitive capabilities or systems and does not impinge on any subsequent investigations of military airspace incursions by unidentified aerial phenomena, end quote. The Navy now has formal guidelines for how its pilots can report when they believe they have seen possible UFOs. The Navy videos were first released between December 2017 and March 2018 by to the Stars Academy of Arts and Sciences, a company co-founded by former Blink-182 musician Tom DeLon that says it studies information about unidentified aerial phenomena. In 2017, one of the pilots who saw one of the unidentified objects 
in 2004 told CNN that it moved in ways he could not explain. Quote, as I got close to it, it rapidly accelerated to the south and disappeared in less than two seconds. End quote. This is retired U.S. Navy pilot David Fravor. Quote, this was extremely abrupt, like a ping pong ball bouncing off a wall. It would hit and go the other way. End quote. The Pentagon previously studied recordings of aerial encounters with unknown objects as part of science shutter classified programs that was launched at the behest of former Senator Harry Reid of Nevada. The program was launched in 2007 and ended in 2012, according to the Pentagon, because they assessed that there were higher priorities that needed funding. These aircrafts, we'll call them aircraft, are displaying characteristics that are not currently within the U.S. inventory, nor in any foreign inventory that we are aware of. This is Elizondo. Luis Elizondo. Former head of the classified program. He says he resigned from the Defense Department in 2017 in protest over the secrecy surrounding the program and the internal opposition to funding it. How do y'all feel about that? I find that very interesting. Really interesting. But, um, yo, that's it. That's it for current events. I appreciate y'all. Y'all are the best. Give me about um, 30 seconds. I'll grab some water, man. Appreciate y'all checking out the show. This is the foundation, the dark side of trust. We're going to jump into this stuff, you know, because, I mean, a lot of people, you know, they think about trust, and we got this, you know, this this, this, this view of trust that's this, I mean, it's got the, you know, it's got the, the haze around the edges of the, of the view, and it's all sparkly and glittery. We just think it's, you know, we can get into these, you know, situations with these these entities and um, we're able to just just be, be wonderful. Everything is great and gorgeous. And there's really, you know, nothing else, nothing else to really be concerned with. You know, a lot of people hear the word trust and they think of, you know, um, 
it's 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 not advantageous or even something to think about when we're contemplating, you know, uh, maybe a, a type of trust situation that is not for our benefit. A lot of people don't do that. A lot of people, you know, when we think about trust, we think about, you know, how these things can benefit us, you know, how the, the wealthy use these entities and how, you know, it, how elastic they are and how all these different things that we can do with these dances, these trusts. Check it out. The idea. Let me jump into this. I'm gonna jump into this. And anybody, you know, uh, this is this is a document. I'm gonna be reading from a document. If y'all want the document, email me admin at welcome to the foundation dot com, and I'll give you the document. You know, just you ain't gotta say nothing. Just say document from the show. Dark side of trust, or so you put dark dark trust document. You ain't got you ain't got to say peace or nothing. You know, I know we all busy. Everybody busy. We doing our dance. So you know, I don't want to keep you, but you know, I'm, I'm coming off a document. My bad, I got to try. Man, gold is over seven. Look, y'all want to get signed up? Start grabbing gold. The, the more expensive gold gets, the harder it's going to be to get your hands on. And you know, two carrot bars, you know. I, you know, I, they got one product where you can buy gold as little as a tenth of a gram, you know, like seven bucks, eight bucks. There's no excuse for you not to be, you know, setting aside, you know, real money for your estate. So email me, admin at welcome to the foundation.com. You want to get signed up with Care Bars. It doesn't cost any money to get signed up. Just do your dance. Um, you know, do your dance. The idea, look, the idea that government could use trusts to bypass the Constitution and deprive citizens of rights or subject citizens to unexpected duties sounds absurd, right? The idea that governments would use trust to bypass the Constitution and to deprive the people of rights and subject the people to unexpected duties as would typically sound absurd. Like, okay, so, you know, hey, um, was good. The idea that government would use trust to bypass the Constitution to deprive people of rights or subject people to unexpected duties sounds absurd. But trust has several major attributes that make this kind of covert oppression possible. There's over 80 different types of trusts. If any person, anyone, tells you they know them all, tell them so L said you're lying. And he told me to back away from you because I'm not supposed to turn my back on you. Anyone, including government, can create a trust without expressly using the words trust, trustee, Grant, grant or benefit, beneficiary, or any other term that is normally associated with trust. Did you know that? Did you know that? Did you know that anyone can create a trust, including a government, without expressly using the words trust, trustee, grant, grantor, benefit, 
beneficiary, or any other term that is normally associated with trust, regardless of words used, and even when no words are used, it is incumbent on every person who recognizes their role in a trust by recognizing the nature of their relationship to another person or trust property. Right? I doubt that one person in 100 can even understand what was just said. Worse, I doubt that one person in 10,000 can recognize a trust relationship whenever they happen to participate in one. For example, suppose you borrow my pen insofar as I expect you to return my pen. We have just entered into an unstated trust relationship wherein I am the beneficiary of my pen. Even though neither of us use the word trust, benefit, etc., even though you did not expressly agree to return my pen, I am trusting that you will return my pen. You are trusted with control of my pen, and therefore we have a simple or unexpressed trust relationship. Creating trust relationships can be just that simple. As a result, it's easy for government to entangle folks in trust relationships and thereby compromise whatever rights they might normally expect to have without people having any idea of what's happening. Further, few people realize that whenever the word application is used by a governmental agency, it typically means application for benefits. For example, when you fill out an application for a driver's license, social security card, or a bank account, you are probably applying for a benefit to be provided by a governmental trust. You can't normally receive a benefit without being a beneficiary. And beneficiaries have no legal rights. A lot of people haven't thought about it from this perspective. It's cool. It's fine. Generally filling out an application, you may unwittingly forfeit your claim to any legal rights or standing at law relative to the trust property. Yikes. If you'd like to see an express trust agreement, you can really just do a Google search uh, trust trust indenture template and you'll find one. Um, I wouldn't use it though. Any other major software provider. The license identifies you as a you the end user, sorry. Anytime you see the word use or user, beware of the possible presence of a trust relationship. In the case of software, Microsoft makes it clear that you don't own the software product. You merely get to use it on one or maybe more computers. But at all times, real ownership of the product remains with Microsoft. They only they own legal title to the software. Your license merely gives you an equitable title or interest to use their software. If you don't like your limited rights as a beneficiary, your only option is to return the software the trust property. Otherwise, by continuing to use the software, which accepts the benefit of being able to use it, you have virtually no legal rights against Microsoft. 
If the software crashes, your computer destroys the database that runs your business or causes your accounting software to add a zero to the amount of money your computer sends by check to each of your creditors. As a beneficiary, you have almost no recourse at law against the grantor, trust, or trustee. Thus, even without any express indication that your application can bind you to a trust relationship, a trust relationship and resulting diminished status can be impressed on your life. When you fill out the application, you probably thought you'd receive some free benefits. <laughs> Silly you. What you didn't know, and they had no obligation to, to disclose to you, was that you'd pay for the beneficial pottage with the surrender of your unillegal rights. If you should ever lodge a complaint against the trust or trustees, the courts will silently presume that, one, you recognize the trust relationship when you applied to become a beneficiary, and two, you knowingly and voluntarily surrendered your unalienable rights and legal rights when you applied to become a beneficiary. And this is the thing right here. A lot of people going in the court and go, oh, you know, I'm, tr I'm private, I'm sovereign, or whatever they're saying. And these these courts, these judges, these administrators, specifically their administrators, are taking silent judicial notice of the fact that you have put in so many applications and have not rescinded them. And as you are claiming all of this status or whatever, you are actually, you feel what I'm saying? Uh, based on those silent presumptions, you will lose your case. Insofar as the average person can't even imagine that they could be seduced into surrendering their unalienable rights by filling out a mere application, they will never raise an effective defense in court against the imposition of duties or loss of rights under an unseen governmental trust. Do you see the potential power? Even though trusts are virtually invisible to 98% of Americans, even though we have no training in trusts during our grade school, high school, or college education, we are expected to see trust relationships whenever we encounter them. If we fail to see those trust relationships, we will still be bound by their invisible chains. But if you can't see those invisible chains, how can you complain about them to court? If you don't expressly complain about those chains, the court will leave them in place. Thus, through trust. You can effectively, you can be effectively enslaved without even knowing how the enslavement incurred. Unlike contractual relationships, there's no requirement for full disclosure when you create a trust and designated someone to be a beneficiary. This lack of disclosure didn't provide full disclosure on the contract. I hear that all the time. I be mad. I be I be having to fix people's. Mental errors all the time when it comes to this law stuff. This is a full disclosure on a contract. There's no requirement for full disclosure when it comes to a trust contract or a trust indenture. Get it? The best illustration of this attribute is the fact that I can create a trust and designate my beneficiary. There is no requirement that I fully disclose the terms of the trust to my beneficiary. Why? Because as a beneficiary, 
She is presumed incompetent and unable to understand the operation of a trust. Did you know that? Did you know as a beneficiary you were presumed incompetent and unable to understand the operation of a trust? Why? And he, oh, I'm a beneficiary. It is a birth certificate. And in the rule 220. And people are, what, y'all wondering, y'all wondering, y'all wondering. You wonder why I'm like, yo, this is the, here's the foundation. Y'all need to learn the foundation. What is the foundation? Contract of Trust Administration. So sorry. Similar presumptions allow governments to impose trust on adult beneficiaries who are also deemed incompetent to understand the relevant trust privileges and duties. There is no more need to fully disclose trust rules and regulations to adult beneficiaries than there is to fully disclose trust rules and regulations to children. Similarly, government can create a trust and designate you as a beneficiary of that trust without expressly informing you of that fact. Did you know that? Oh. Oh. We're missing the foundation. As a result, whenever you relate the property of that governmental trust, you will have no legal rights and will be treated as a mere beneficiary in a court of equity. Pick it as a beneficiary, okay, and you wonder why you're a parent, parental figure over your child or minor children, and why parental rights only go so far when it comes to the state. Could that be due to an unrecognized trust relationship? I don't know. That's a good question. Is it a good question? I think it's a good question. Let's let's keep questioning. Insofar as we are presumed to have accepted appointment as trustees, we can also be bound by rules which have never been expressly explained to us, even by arbitrary rules that ordinarily would be ex- exceed the constitutional lim- limits of government's delegated powers. Insofar as we are presumed to have accepted the beneficiary, the status of beneficiary, we can also be bound by rules which have never been expressly explained to us, and even by arbitrary rules that ordinarily would be ex- exceeding the constitutional limits of government's delegated powers. For example, under the Constitution, government has no authority to penalize a man who has not damaged another person's body or property. However, if that person enters into a trust relationship with government, government can absolutely regulate and even punish that man's act whenever they violate arbitrary trust rules, policies, codes, statutes, blah, blah, even if no other person or person's property has been damaged. Uh, there's no damage to property. Uh, there's no person. There's no uh, I harm no personal property, and and this 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 kangaroo court, man, you because you don't understand, you don't recognize the trust relationship. People don't want to hear me though. Oh, man, lamb, and it's just you know, people. I be telling people, people will pay for a consultation, make a donation for a consultation. I will tell them the truth, and they will be mad at me. Oh, he don't. He does, he's not a lawyer or attorney. He doesn't know. He's not someone who was in the public and then left the public, walked away from the public, and went private and started teaching people. Actually, yes, I am. <laughs> but whatever, whatever. In some trusts can be created and imposed without express words 
without full or any disclosure and without our express knowledge, which is in secret. As a result, trust can be used as invisible snares to trap all of us into relationships and roles which compromise our rights, reduce us to the status of subjects, and impose unwanted duties. And insofar as we are totally unaware of trusts and their strange powers, they are virtually invisible to us, and thus virtually impossible for the vast majority of Americans to resist or escape. The dark side of trust. Full disclosure, there's not, it's not, it's not a, it's, it's a, what is it? It's a void contract because it lacks full disclosure. It's not a contract. It's a trust relationship, fam. And with it, with regards to a trust relationship, there's no requirement for full disclosure. What? What do you mean? You're you're an agent. You're an agent. You're trying to you're trying to sell me back into slavery. You're, t- you're trying to tell me. Please. As a defendant, how can you stop a case against you based on implied trust relationship? If my constructive trust theory, implied trust, there may be possible strategies. First, you might argue that the court's great assumption that there was a trust relationship between you, the alleged defendant, the trustee, and the plaintiff or beneficiary was actually false. You might argue that the relationship was always conducted at arm's length. And therefore, no trust was created. Alternatively, you might argue that a payment in real money, gold or silver coin, was included in the transaction or that the alleged debt was paid in full. The trust had therefore been executed and no trust relationship remained for the judge to construe. Argue? No, we don't argue. We private. And, and you know, this is me talking. This is so. I'm not reading. We private. We don't argue. We deal with written affidavits. We deal with facts. An affidavit is fact, point by point, under penalty of perjury, blah, blah. I'm not arguing nothing in the court. I'm bringing facts. I'm putting it on the record for the record. And Bloom Plan, y'all can do a dance. Watch what happens when you do your dance like that. If there's no trust relationship, there's probably no basis for hearing a case in equity. The plaintiff has implicitly conceded that they have no legal rights relative to the controversy with the plaintiff. If he had legal rights, he should have proceeded at law. So if the plaintiff has no legal right relative to the controversy with the plaintiff, he can't invoke the court of law. And if there's no trust relationship for the plaintiff to base a claim in equity, how can the plaintiff sue? Second, you might concede that a trust relationship did, in fact, exist. Between you, the alleged defendant slash trustee, and the plaintiff, but it was a it was a intended it was intended to be a different trust relationship, possibly biblical. From the secular trust relationship, the court attempted to construe. If the judge misconstrued your original but unexpressed intentions, 
he would have construed the wrong trust. Therefore, his resulted court order expressed trust in denture might be a nullity. For example, suppose you're tangled up in a divorce or custody battle and your spouse appears in court as a beneficiary plaintiff and you are assumed the defendant trustee. The judge will want to rule in the best interests of the child according to a secular trust relationship based on birth certificates, social security accounts, and your marriage license. But what would happen if you defended yourself claiming that you, I'm sorry, claiming that the only trust you were aware of or knowingly entered into was a trust in God, where the terms of the marriage, divorce, child custody, and support would be spelled in your trust indenture Bible? You say the Quran. You would, there's a lot of different, you know, it's not just Christianity. And that's the thing, you know. Um, any, you know, uh, faith where you are following the law of God, which means you're, under, you're claiming natural law, you are above secular law. Did you know that? Blah, blah. Despite the secular hooks of the mayor's license, birth certificate, and social security accounts, you might be able to mount a strong defense based on your First Amendment right of freedom of religion. And we all with child support. Uh, it's title, what is that? Title 42. It's section 666. From what I understand, is the market of the beast to Christians. That's the section that they use to collect child support. Y'all can look that up. Blah, blah. Of course, you probably have to refute, revoke, or otherwise comp- compromise the legal impact of the various secular hooks. For example, when the court prepared to decide the case in the best interest of your alleged child, you might argue that you're a natural man and not a parent to any alleged child who was, in fact, an artificial entity. Instead, you might claim that your only daughter is the flesh and blood offspring. And therefore, your only trust relationship with that child is expressly described in the faith trust indenture called the Bible. We got about 60 seconds left in the broadcast, man. I'm about to stream. I'm going over. I'm feeling energized. I'm feeling juiced. So I'm going to go over. So if you're listening online, you got to call in. You can probably hear her all in my ear. You want to call in 424-222-5250. Otherwise, you will be disconnected. And you will have to check out the rest of the show in the archive. So bring it. Where was I? Where was I? Where was I? Third, you might argue that although a trust relationship did in fact exist between you and the plaintiff, the plaintiff beneficiary was in breach of that trust relationship and therefore lacked the clean hands required to invoke a court of equity. A classic illustration of clean hands doctrine is seen in the story of Jesus telling the crowd bent on stoning a sinful woman to death that he who is without sin cast the first stone since everyone in the crowd was also guilty of sin. They lacked the clean hands required to act against their fellow sinner. Today the clean hands doctrine simply says that a plaintiff may not ask for equity if he hasn't given equity. In other words, you can't invoke the court of equity to force your neighbor to return the lawnmower he borrowed if you are equally guilty of first refusing to return your neighbor's power saw. So, far as I know, the issue of clean hands is irrelevant at law if you invoke a court of law, not equity, 
and produce your legal title to the lawnmower, the court of law will compel your neighbor to return the lawnmower, even if you are simultaneously guilty of refusing to return the neighbor's power saw. That's because in in that in that realm, uh, that's failure to state a claim for which relief could be granted. Because if the neighbor wants his property back, he can produce legal title to the missing property and invoke a court of law. It occurs to me that the requirement for clean hands to invoke a court of equity might explain why family law underwent no-fault divorce resolution in the 1950s and 1960s. Prior to no-fault, your personal unhappiness with the spouse was insufficient reason to sanctify divorce. If you wanted, man, look. This dude talking about divorce. Let's move on forward. Even if an implied trust relationship between the plaintiff and defendant is admitted, it might be terminated without judicial action insofar as the two parties could create the trust relationship without the government's knowledge or official sanction it follows that the parties could also terminate that trust relationship without government intervention as defendant you might officially and publicly resign as trustee before the case is heard we see possible evidence of the strategy in public notices which read something to the effect that I John Doe am no longer responsible for I gotta back up. So as I can be heard. You know what I mean? Hey, did they kick me off. I lost connection on my other one. Um, you know, my bad. But I'm still here, right? So where was I? I, John Doe, am no longer responsible for the debts of Jane Doe. That public dis- disclaimer would seem to terminate an express or assumed trust relationship that had previously existed between Mr. Doe, assumed trustee, and his former wife or beneficiary. Fifth, less likely but remotely possible, suppose the original implied unexpressed, unexpressed trust relationship between the plaintiff and the defendant is successfully construed into a constructive trust and results in a court order which is an express trust indenture. The defendant trustee might still be able to simply decline or resign from his appointment as an official trustee who is obligated to administer the constructive trust. After all, according to the 13th Amendment, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. Serving as a trustee appears to be a form of unpaid servitude to the beneficiaries or the trust or both. It therefore seems unreasonable and unconstitutional to force a man to serve as a trustee against his will. If you volunteer to be trustee, fine. But no involuntary servitude should mean that if you refuse to volunteer, you can't be forced to serve as a trustee. I think that's very interesting. 
But let's leave it there. I appreciate y'all. You know, let me, um, uh, you know, what do you think? What do you think? I'm interested to know what you think. Um, I'm interested to know if this blew your mind. I'm interested to know if, if this was something that you were all, already familiar with. Or if this is something that completely caught you off guard. I'm, I'm very, very interested. But yeah, there are implied trust relationships that exist every day. We just don't recognize them. We don't see them. A lot of us don't understand the relationship between the creator, the grantor, the earth, the trust corpus, and the trustee beneficiary, which is us. And how that relates to how we live. And I think, you know, if we took into consideration this ultimate primary trust relationship and and valued it, we would all have a fundamental and significantly different experience on this realm. And down. Maybe um, I know for a fact you would take yourself more seriously. I know for a fact you would be good to yourself. You would take better care of yourself, better care of the people around you, better care of your surroundings, your environment, your community. But don't be too hard on yourself. You got to understand, like we we in a, we in the um, the information age, which. You know, the industrial age, that was, you know, war of economics, war of scale of economies, war of um, industries. But in the information, this is this is the we in the war of the world. And it's 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 their mind against your mind or our minds against your mind or your mind against my mind and that you know this, this is the this is the war of the world and without proper knowledge and information in the information age we are destroyed we destroy our bodies we destroy our health we destroy our relationships we destroy ourselves we destroy our happiness we destroy our peace of mind because we lack knowledge and just you know i can point out Unseen trust relationships Between you and your so-called Government But what does that mean what are you going to do Are you going to change anything Are you going to do anything different Are you going to be more responsible I don't know I can't make you do anything. I believe in you. I know you can do whatever you want to, whatever you put your mind to. But I I know I can't make you do anything. I just hope that I can inspire you. I trust that I can inspire you to make moves, inspire you to grab a hold 
of your creator spirit, your God spirit, whatever, however you want to look at it, your, your, your spark spirit. And move with purpose and vigor on this physical plane. Because nothing's guaranteed. And we walk amongst death every day. And you never know when your time is. And I would assume that you would like your time to be here to be significant. Or are you more focused on being successful? All I'm trying to do is point it out. Y'all, we walk it's like we walking outside and I'm just pointing out stuff to y'all. Like you see that? You see that? You see that? You see that? You make your own decision. You make your own choice. You know, I got the foundation. Welcome to the foundation.com. You know, I, we put in a lot of work here on high frequency. I'm not even going to say I because I'm part of a team. And we put in a lot of work here. But it's for y'all. It's because it's because I believe in y'all. It's because I don't believe the crap. And I know we got this. But you gotta believe in yourself and you got we gotta educate ourselves. We gotta learn. We gotta study. Like I said, you know, that, that document it really opens your mind and it makes you think about things that we've never thought about. And really that's what we need to do. We really just need to be thinking about things that we've never thought about before. We need to be putting ourselves into the position to experience information or situations that we've never um, experienced or been a part of. This is how we learn. This is how we grow. This is how we become better as individuals, as as a people. And, you know, don't believe the hype. Don't believe what we're told about ourselves, especially the negative stuff, because it's a bunch of crap. And it's an excuse. It's a cop-out. We're better than that. So I just wanted to talk about the dark side of trust. You know, a lot of people, you know, we're looking at the, the one side of the coin when we live in a, a dualistic, three-dimensional reality. A lot of people are only looking at the single ism, right? And that's the trust, you know, how it's going to, and I'm going private, blah, blah, blah. Like, but yo, we don't understand the trust relationships that we're in right now. Presumed. We a lot of us don't understand the dark side of trust. And if you don't understand the dark side, if you don't know what could go wrong in a situation, you run a higher risk of it going wrong. If you don't know there's a good way and a bad way to do things, it's a higher possibility that you might do it the wrong way, the bad way. So, you know, it's just, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, my, my, my goal is to shake and bake you. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> it's to wake, it's to help wake you up, you know, because you're not, you're not stupid. You're not slow. You're not dumb. You're just, you're just sleeping. You're just unconscious. You're not conscious. Once you become conscious and aware, everything changes. So there it is. Welcome to the foundation.com PDF section Check out the education tab Look if you email me admin at Welcome to the foundation.com We're doing 50% off all the education All of it Just don't don't grab it from the website You gotta email You gotta email me 
admin at welcome to the foundation.com. That's uh, passport, no social. That's the trust series. That's the trust primer. That's everything on the website in the education, 50% off. And that's until further notice. You know, uh, you know, I'm not looking to update the site, but you know, email admin at welcome to the foundation.com. You go to the website and make it, make it, you, you missed out. This is your official notice right here. And if you don't, you know, if you, if you fail to state a claim, which can be granted, it will not be granted. So admin at welcome to the foundation.com. I believe in you. I'm here and invested in your education. We applaud the beginners. Everybody starts somewhere. And I know a lot of the beginners be nervous and, and, and self-conscious. Man, damn all that. Damn that. It's time to do this dance. So admin at welcome to the foundation.com. You know, you want to get, get set up in the, you know, carrot bars, small, small denominations of gold, man. It just makes it affordable. Uh, you know, you're going to save money money if you buy larger denominations, yes? Do I have the money to buy larger denominations? No. So what does it matter if I can save money buying larger denominations of gold? I don't have it. So at least I can get my hands on denominations that I can afford. It doesn't break the bank. It doesn't hurt my family. And right now, as far as I'm concerned, I can only see that through carrot bars. A lot of stuff is shut down. And even still, like, where can you go buy a tenth of an ounce of gold? Maybe a gram of gold, but a tenth of an ounce? Nah. So add me now. Welcome to the foundation.com. I was asked if I accept Bitcoin. Do we accept Bitcoin? Does the foundation accept Bitcoin? Yes. And any other cryptocurrency, anything beyond Bitcoin, Ethereum, you know, the, the normal stuff, just shoot me an email. Admin at welcome to the foundation.com. But yeah, Bitcoin, we accept Bitcoin. Email for the wallet. And I'll shoot it to you. But yeah, that's the show. I mean, I'm going to go to the phone lines. I don't know. Should I, I don't know. What time is it? What time is it? What time is it? 45 after. Um, maybe I'm going to skip the phone. I might skip the calls tonight, y'all. I mean, I love, you know, I love y'all, but. I think I'm going to skip the calls tonight. I just, I just feel like it's a good, it's a good thing to do right now. <laughs> but you know, um, as always, you know, I appreciate y'all checking out the show. It's nothing personal, you know. If you press the one on your handset, it's not because I'm seeing your number and I don't want to talk to you. It has nothing to do with it, you know. Um, I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of, I'm. I'm going to chill. I'm just going to go chill. We'll go chill with the fans. But I love y'all. And I'm here for you. You know, as we as we walk through this wealth transfer, it's very important to have your estate set up. You know, what's a wealth transfer if you don't have any private entities 
to hold the wealth. You didn't transfer nowhere. It went from the public to the public. I don't care if it is your name. And you Minnesota Rule 220 did. I don't care. doesn't matter. Show me. I've been talking about this, you know, this economy, whatever this is, for, for years. I did not know it was going to come because of a virus. I really had no idea. I did think heavily that it was going to be some sort of black swan event, and that's what happened. Black swan. No one saw it coming. No one could have anticipated that it was going to be some sort of virus. Well, maybe some people could have. But not little old me. But, you know, what I've been talking about, what I've been trying to prepare everyone for, we're in the middle of it. Now, you're not out of time. It's not too late. But, you know, you're, you're really pushing it to wire, fam. You're pushing it to the wire. And if you're a procrastinator and that's what you do, good job because you procrastinated almost to the end. So, you know, if you're looking to get in trustee training, Get your private estate set up, business trust, asset trust, family trust. Email me, admin at welcome to the foundation.com. And we'll take it from there. Because I, you know, I know support. With that being said, you know, I appreciate y'all. I trust y'all have a great, you know, great week. Enjoy your week. You know, nothing, nothing personal with regards to not taking calls. Just, uh, you know, I'm going to go chill, y'all. I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go chill. Y'all get, you know, continue to invest in your private education. Continue to get your learn on, do your dance, you know. Don't worry about the boo-hoo, chugga-chugga-choo-choo. We keep it moving, I'm telling you. And, um, you know, with that being said, enjoy your week. Have a great week. Don't don't trip. Don't stress. Don't worry. We all going to be good. Everything's gravy. And I'll catch y'all next week for another episode of The Foundation here on High Frequency Radio Network. I appreciate y'all. love y'all. Take care of yourself. Enjoy yourself. Make sure you say 10 things you're thankful for before you go to sleep. And I'll catch you on the next show. Peace to the guys. Doing this thing all the way live. High Frequency Radio.